Among the sounds from Chiefs camp, Hood Go Crazy by Kansas City's Tech 9. The Chiefs pipe in music during practices when the public and media are around, and we get to enjoy it as well. I know producer Kathy Liu did when she was recording it. Welcome to Sports BKC, the sports podcast presented by the Kansas City Star. I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. Chiefs beat writer Brooke Pryor is here, and so is star columnist Vahe Gregorian. On this episode, we'll hear from Chiefs Frank Clark, Chris Jones, and Sammy Watkins, and maybe some more sound from Chiefs practice. It seems like every day is a first, right? It's the first day that the, the, the rookies and quarterbacks arrive. It's the first day the veterans arrive. And today, Monday, July 29th, was the first day of padded practice. Could you could you feel the intensity, Brooke? It was, uh, could you hear the crunching? I could hear the pop of the pads. The pop of the pads. Did you That's, hear them? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I couldn't actually hear the pop of the pads because the music was so loud. I drowned out both the play calls and the pop of the pads. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the guys love pad, first padded practice, and there's only so many of them. I think as much as the guys like the first padded practice, I also think the coaches, while it's beneficial to kind of help separ- make some, some separation on the depth chart, I think they all also watch it holding their breath because it's still July, and we've already had some a, a potentially significant injury, uh, at least as far as depth goes, and it seems like those only tick up more once the pads come on. Well, let's let's talk about that briefly before we get into what, what else we saw at uh, at the first padded practice. Today, Keith Reeser, uh, cornerback, went down with a uh, what, what we think is Achilles injury, which is potentially, you know, serious, uh, the Achilles. A couple others didn't finish practice today, right? Uh, right. Gary Dieter didn't finish practice. I think Mitchell Schwartz... Um, may not have I, I, I don't have the list in front of me I think it was uh, Dieter Schwartz and Marcus Marshall were all right having back. back spasms is that yeah, I believe yeah. what was right there were, there were a couple that were rattled off, rattled off there right in a row uh, and then Andy Reid waited until the end of that whole list to say oh and by the way right. Keith Reeser who you watched get carted off the field potential Achilles tendon tear and done for the year if that's the case more than likely if it's the case that's right um but one player who seemed to really enjoy the first padded practice, popping the pads, was defensive end Frank Clark. Let's uh, let's hear from Frank Clark at uh, after practice today. Frank, a few days into uh, being in practice with a new group of guys, uh, talk about this group and how good can you be? Um, I feel like we can be very good, you know. But um, first step is creating that competitive atmosphere. I feel like. Um, like we all talked about, you know, just being brutally honest. Um, it wasn't here on the defensive side last year. Um, you know, when you look around, you see, you know, total defense, we rake 31st in the league. You know, that doesn't make anyone proud, you know, as a fan, as a, as a coach, as a player. You shouldn't be proud. So, um, you know, thanks to Coach Reed, thanks to Veach, you know, and everyone who has something to do with bringing us together this year on this defense. But, you know, we come in here with a whole different type of attitude. You know, we come in here to win. We come here to compete, and we want to be the best. And I'm not going to lie, you know, Spags, legendary coach. You know, he came in, he threw everything at us, you know, in the spring. He, he put the, you know, the whole script out there and, you know, put it into our hands as the players and, you know, to really invest our time into learning this playbook. You know, you look down the history of him, you know, him coaching with Coach Reed in um, Philly, him coaching, you know, this wonderful New York Giants defense. Um, he's just a great coach. And, and, and it's no mystery to when, you know, guys adapt to, you know, his calling, adapt to the things he's saying and just, you know, fall in line, the success we can have. You played against Andy Reid offense before, but how, how much 
can they help you guys come together, you know, because they are one of the best offensively yes. and you guys got to go against them every day? Yes, it's going to help us, literally. I mean, like you said, I got Pat Mahomes. I'm looking at Pat Mahomes on the other side. Travis Kelsey, I'm looking at Cheetah. I'm looking at Sammy Watkins. I can keep going. You know, yeah. I mean, whenever you're looking at that on the other side of the ball, um, you want me to keep going? I can go Swartz, I can go Luke Fisher. I can keep going. Carlos Hyde in the backfield. Yeah, with everybody. They got a whole load of teams. So when you got these type of guys on the other side of the ball and you're forced to go out there every day, you're forced to look at them, you're forced to, you know, you want to compete. So every day it's a battle. Every day you're going that, you know, to get better. So when you got an offense like that in front of us, Hey man, who, 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 there's no telling what you know the limits and the heights our defense can go to. You feel like you guys did okay against them today? I feel like we did wonderful. We won to know. We won today for sure. <laughs> defense, we won today for sure. Defense won the day. Um, for sure. For sure. Uh, for sure. So uh, fr Frank was uh, coming to the to the podium and he set his daughter Phoenix, his three year old daughter Phoenix, down and, and told her to you know just stay there. And I looked at him and I said, No, no, pick her up and bring her to the podium. <laughs> I did, and he did. Which and Blair felt very <laughs> unlike you. I was, you're no, you're usually like a no distractions. We're gonna get straight to the interview kind of guy, but but no. But I thought it it worked well. She yeah, she was adorable. And and unlike you guys, I was dilly dallying this morning on other things. Well, but I missed a really cute display. Well, I'm quite struck on the video by the the kisses of his daughter in between questions, and I I have yet to see him speak in person. I wasn't I was on another assignment the day. The Chiefs brought him in, but I listened to that uh, either streaming or over our Facebook Live, however we had it. I'm I'm quite impressed with him, who he uh, appears to be as he speaks, and and the spirit, and and it looks like a guy who's grown a lot. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, with him at the podium today, and and watching him in the practice, kind of dominate when he was on the on the field, it just got me thinking about. You know, I'm watching him wearing number 55, which was D. Ford's old uniform, and I'm seeing, you know, 97, which was Alan Bailey's old uniform, occupied now by Ogba, um, uh, I think, or is he 90? One of them's 90, and one's 97. Ogba's uh, 90. 90. Okay. Um, so. So yeah. Okafor's 97. Okafor's 97, and just it just, it just was uh, reminded me how much this defense is different, um, and not just them. Uh, Tyron Matthew, Breland Bouchard, Bouchard Breland. That's only the <laughs> also that guy. Breland Trauma Bouchard. That's what I meant. That's right. Yeah. The commas. Uh, another another quarter in the jar for me. Uh, sorry about that, um, Bouchard. And uh, Darian Lee, another one. Uh, so just so many new faces on defense. A whole new defensive scheme. One day of. Padded practice doesn't, uh, you can't draw any conclusions, except it is really different out there. And uh, for Frank Clark and Chris Jones, number 95, the same number he wore last year, to be lined up next to each other kind of gave you an idea of how the, the potential for this defense, doesn't I mean, it? They were tearing it up out there. It was a, a really good practice for both of them. And I think my favorite thing that Frank Clark said today was I asked him about what it was like to get out there with Chris Jones, and he was just like, I mean, it's great. He was, I mean, he's going to have to share some sacks. Yeah. How are we going to share this? Um, which is also a good point. I think could impact Chris Jones's contract maybe a little bit. Is I don't think he's going to have the same sack numbers that he had last year. You know, now that he's e got, even Frank though he Clark, has to share, even though yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's got to share, so he's got to you know give some to Frank Clark and maybe some to Alex Okafor, but. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that those two together will work for the benefit of the team. It's interesting to think of just 72 hours ago, or 96, whatever the case may be, didn't even know if Chris Jones was going to be here for camp, and he had not played a minute in Steve Spagnuolo's scheme. Uh, when he was talking the other day, he, he brought up that he keeps the playbooks and uh, you know after the season, we, we felt like we almost needed to remind him it's a new playbook. Um, so it, it's but it'll it, have Bob Sutton's defense down. <laughs> but but so how encouraging is that really if you think about it? I mean, just now he's he's in right, and and I, you never know um, how it would have played out if he had not been here for a few weeks. But this is better. Yes, being present is better for him <laughs> than not being present. And I, I say that somewhat facetiously, but I think it speaks well to Chris Jones. Mm -hmm. And uh, Brooke and I addressed this on Facebook Live on Saturday. Chris Jones had spoken to the media for the first time um, Sunday. on Sunday. And we actually have a little bit of audio from that. Let's, uh, let's hear from Chris Jones. He met the media for the first time on Sunday. It was the first time he had spoken publicly uh, since March or, or February, since the end of last season. So let's hear what Chris Jones had to say. I mean, of course, um, I'd love to spend the rest of my career here. Um, I'm quite sure we'll work it out. I don't worry about that. I worry about learning the new schemes and the plays on this defense. As you know, every offseason you have a goal. This offseason was a goal to get a six pack. You know, and um, that's what I worked on, straightening the core, doing Pilates, yoga, and things like that. Um, I knew from the beginning I was going to arrive at camp on time. When um, I have Mosaic Life Care and a Special Olympics KC um, that I'm a brand ambassador of. And uh, it was just me wanting to spend time with my family. I'm back now. I'm focused on winning the Super Bowl. I'm focused on being a dominant player on this defense and uh, enjoying the process. Okay, you just heard from Chris Jones. Uh, did he show us his six-pack? I he don't remember. Not, no, no. We, didn't, we didn't get a chance to see the six-pack. We've pack. not confirmed. And, and I can't remember the exact, six pack. the exact words were trying to get a six-pack, or did right. he actually say he got a six-pack? He I, said I, that was his goal. His I don't goal, know okay. that we ever found out for sure. But you know what? He does look a lot leaner out there this year. I There were a couple times I did a double take watching him out on the field because the 95 that we saw on the field last year was a lot thicker than the 95 we saw out on the field in the last couple days. Did you guys agree with this? I thought he was his usual, you know, pleasant self, but I thought he was a little subdued. I, I, he wasn't as, you know, sort of bouncy, animated as as I, I remember him typically being. And I, I, I don't know what there is to read into that, and you guys may disagree. I, I think he is, I think that's been a kind of an evolution of, yeah. of him. I saw it last year at times. Certainly after games, if, uh, if he, whether if he didn't play well or the team lost, he was he was more subdued, which which you'd expect. But in press conferences as well, he he's not what he was when he first got here, which was really um, he put he put a smile on your face almost with every word that he said. I don't know, maybe maybe it is a just a just a maturity for maybe, him. Maybe maybe. And I but I hope he doesn't lose. I, I hope he doesn't lose that uh, that's that other side of him. And I didn't know if if there if I thought there was anything to read into it. It might simply be whether you know he was a little displeased with the situation. Right. He's going to show up. He's professional, but he's probably not thrilled about the way it went down. And that's just me reading into it. I, I you know I really don't know. Just just point of point of interest to me. I I, I think it's. As, as we said before the clip, that the fact that he's here without the contract he's you know, that he wants, first of all, means I don't know was there some was there some conversation between his camp and the Chiefs that said, look, if you come to camp, we'll 
we'll get working on it. I mean, it will, mm-hmm. but if you stay away, that's going to affect our, you know, maybe our ability to work together on this. We know what the numbers, we, we, we think we know what the numbers are, right? We're talking about, you know, the Chiefs offering somewhere in the neighborhood of $42 million guaranteed, mm-hmm. and Frank Clark uh, has $63 million guaranteed. If, if Chris Jones wants Frank Clark money, they're way off on the uh, – and, and even meeting in the middle, they're, they're too far apart for that. I don't know how it's going to play out, but he's here. He, he's here. And we got into this a little bit the other day. Maybe it was the day before he got here. I can't remember if we talked about it um, on our podcast. But a thing, I'm going to be harping on this all along until they show otherwise, but we think of them as a Super Bowl contender, which takes my mind always back to 50 years ago in 1969. And an interesting thing about that Chiefs team um, we were joking around about it in, in the media room the other day, Blair, was that there, there was one guy who wasn't there on that defense in camp, and it was Ernie Ladd, who had, had special permission to not be there because he had a wrestling engagement. Professional said, wrestling. A professional wrestling yeah. engagement, so he was excused. But the real real point of interest there is that that defense was dominant, and it'll have a six Hall of Famer as of this week. When Johnny Every, Robinson goes in. When Johnny Robinson goes in. Every guy on that defense started every game, all 17 games they played. Nobody missed a start. That is tough to replicate. Yeah. I don't imagine anybody was holding out with a contract dispute in the preseason <laughs> in, in 1969 as well. Right. And I get the sense that with Chris Jones, I'm not expecting a contract to come during training camp. and I'm not expecting it to necessarily come in the first couple months of the season, especially when they start focusing you know, on the actual, on the games being played. I think that... He has the ability now to play himself into the contract in kind of similar to what we talked about with what Frank Clark did. Granted, he had to go somewhere else to get that money. But I think that the Chiefs know that there is a way to get him under contract, extend Mahomes, and with you know making record-breaking amounts of money, and keep Tyree Kill around. Uh, but they're going to have to do some, some shuffling and some, you know, look for money in the mattress kind of thing. But I, there is a way to do it, and I think that is what they would like to do. This is... Again, sort of purely a point of conjecture. Obviously, the Chiefs intend to be building, you know, on a trajectory going forward with Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback for years to come. So it's not like got to win it this year or not. But I do wonder, I've been thinking about this a lot, how much they feel like this is a, a, front, a front burner sort of thing in a way that they've not thought about for a long, long time or have had the reason to think about for a long, long time that it's right here right now and that... We've got to get all these things on on board as much as possible immediately, front load it and go. No, I think that's totally it. Well, because last year was supposed to be the work in progress year, right. and this was the year that the Super Bowl hopes were supposed to really start ramping up. Instead, last year kind of becomes the year two, and now it's kind of like Super Bowl or bust. Uh, but I think you have to remember that at the end of all this, the Chiefs are ahead of schedule, and the Super Bowl window, granted – doesn't it, there's no guarantee that it stays open as long as it would appear to stay open with Patrick Mahomes back there because there can be injuries and any other number of things a, a lockout of the league whatever but I do think that they do feel more urgency at this point than they would have than they would have thought that they would have felt last year yeah well sense. we're going to devote a show to expectations and, and where we think the chiefs are going to uh, end up we, are. Uh, we will yes <laughs> yes we will because 
As we speak, I'm coming up with podcast episode ideas, and I keep keep talking, guys. I, 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 I'm I not saying anything else. Zip it, Vahe. Final word on on Chris Jones. I thought it was I thought it was interesting when he told us, and I I take him at his word that he knew all along that he was showing up on the day that the veterans were going to report. Okay. And, and by the way, take him at his word, but a point of interest there too, and I don't think he expanded on this, but but I'm interested in whether. He was feeling that regardless of what his representation was telling him. Yeah, yeah. Now that you mentioned that, that I, I bet that's right. You know, just he or he telling his representation, the cat, I think it's the Katz brothers, is that right? His, Correct. His agents uh, saying, look, this is the money I want. This is the, this is the deal I want, but I am going to report with my team on, uh, on August, whatever it was, July 27th, whatever the date was, uh, I am absolutely going to report with my team. So... That was um, so. That was Chris Jones. We just talked about the defense, and when we come back from this break, we're going to talk a little bit of, about the offensive side of the ball. Stay with us. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners: unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars' award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. We are back on Sportsbeat KC. Uh, the, the guys are in practice today for the first time, and this is the third day that the veterans uh, have been here. Uh, I thought one player who stood out today and has actually been pretty good all three days in terms of a veteran is wide receiver Sammy Watkins. And, Brooke, I know that he's a, he's a person that you have written about a few times, and you talked to him again today. What did um, uh, what did Sammy tell you? You know, he said because he said back during OTAs and, and minicamp that this was the best he's ever felt, and that he just feels like he's he's something was different this off season. And so we went back to that today, and I asked him why he felt good, and he said, "Well, it was the off season." I said, well, "What was different?" about this offseason and other ones. And he said, I actually listened to the trainers. I did everything they were telling me. I did the regimen. I stayed off my, you know, I let my body heal because he had that foot injury that lingered for a lot of last season. Um, And he just talked about he really followed the process, I think, more so than he has in the past. And then he also went to go work with the same uh, former wide receivers coach at Nebraska that worked with Tyreek Hill on route running and cuts. And you could really see last year that route running was one of Tyreek Hill's big points of emphasis and you can kind of see how that's translating now working with Sammy. Um, I mean, we've seen him practice three days, and all three of those days, I felt like he's had really good routes. And re- he's been really crucial in the intermediate passing game, too. And that's where you can see Patrick Mahomes' um, attention to footwork and detail is paying off. But um, I-, I think Sammy Watkins looks really good. And he says that he feels really good, too. Let's hear from, uh, let's hear from Sammy Watkins. This is what... Uh... These are his responses to Pryor's questions. I think I had one of the best um, off seasons um, with with the training staff, with the weight room guys. 
I just kind of um, trusted him and, and gave my all and all the workouts. And I'm thankful I did that because now I can literally just run around and have fun and, and not think about any body issues or any injuries. What was the biggest difference in what you did this offseason versus other offseasons you had? I think I just listened to the trainers. Um, usually I'm either overworking myself or doing something I don't supposed to be doing. I just sat down, um, fixed my body, um, stayed in contact with the trainers, kind of listened to um, the, the regiment they had for me, and I kind of followed it. And, the results of doing that, I can literally go out here and have fun and run around. Thanks to Tyreek. Um, he had a guy that 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 specialized in breaking and, and running routes and stuff like that. I went and, I went and seen him and um, for like five or six days and kind of taught me how to stop. And um, I'm a big guy, run hard, fast, and physical. And um, you got to learn how to control that speed. Hey, Vahe, hey, with uh, with Sammy Watkins, it's it's always about staying healthy, isn't it? I mean, he, I for, what was his? I forgot how many games he missed. Uh, Last season, but it, it's always about the health. With and and it, it started early, right? There were a couple little little things, and then the foot. Where were we? Was it Cleveland where that yeah, foot it was got Cleveland. hurt? I remember we saw us, him coming out. Yeah, we were standing there in the runway when he came out. Um, and so that's part of it. Uh, I don't know if the fact he's changed his nickname from Starship 14 to what is it now, Brooke? Uh, Wizard 14. Jefferson Airplane. <laughs> or, or, okay. Um, Wizard 14. Wizard. I I don't know. I don't know what that's about. I don't know if that's going to give him any you know better health. But but Blair, you've got this called up now, looking over the years. So he, you know, what are, we're games. looking at. Yeah, nine games. Um, two, nine nine starts. Ten games. Nine starts last year. Right, and two years before was was just eight. Um, yeah. Missed a couple games in other years. So, look, I I do think this. In a way, we lost track of, of what he could really mean to this team last year, right? Because there were times he wasn't quite at full health or he wasn't quite um, in sync yet. I don't think we've seen his full potential, and you guys have seen it the last couple of days. And, again, these aren't games, but, but I think you see something a little more telling right now than, than maybe we saw in the, certainly in the back half of last season. And I, what was the term he used? It, it, you know, maybe we could be unstoppable if we can master a couple of these other things. And, and he also said something about being a leader. And listen, uh, give me a, give me a dime for every time I've heard a pro athlete talk about, you know, improved leadership. But I liked what he said as it regarded McCole Hardman. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah, it's it's you know it's one thing for me to to say it, but now I've got someone here I can you know that that I can prove it to and. Uh, and, and must, and, and right? Must, I, yeah. I, I've got no credibility if I if I don't. I like that sentiment. I, I yeah, did. I, I, I did thought too. that was that was uh, interesting by by, uh, by Sammy Watkins. So that position group uh, looking pretty uh, pretty solid. Um, so as Sammy Watkins said, they they could they could be really good with Tyreek at the one and Sammy Watkins, uh, Demarcus Robinson, uh, McCole Hardman. You know, Brooke. I don't know what. Uh, you know, I thought Hardman played really well today. Yeah, I thought he had. He his, was getting really good separation. He's today. he's been here for almost a week, but he, I thought he had his best day of camp. And this speed thing is true. I mean, this this guy has Tyreek Hill like speed. He's, he seems a little different, and just their, their, the the way that they get to their top speed. Um, I think Tyreek's got a little bit more shift to him, but McCole Hardman, he's. He is absolutely uh, as fast as advertised, and he's also running with, um, you know, with as as the top kick return guy, or back there with Trey Smith mm-hmm. as the top kick return guy. I think he's going to be the, the biggest factor. I think you know it's funny because last year during training camp, Trey Smith was someone that I think really took 
maybe not training camp by storm, but he was definitely a topic of conversation with his speed. He said he had lion speed uh, when we asked what animal speed he had. Uh, he had said he had lion speed. And he, I feel like, has been overshadowed a lot by McCall Hardman in these first couple of days. I think that also comes with McCall Hardman being the draft pick and just going to be scrutinized a little bit more. Um, but I think that he's probably the biggest threat to taking over those duties from, from Tremont Smith. Did you see anything in the last couple of days with at the wide receiver position that um, uh, that stood out that that provided a clue as to you know how it might go on the depth chart? Because I the only thing that I've noticed is Kemp doesn't seem to be getting you know a lot of reps. Um, Marcus Kemp, who, mm-hmm. who who was on the team last year, was a special teams uh, favorite of, of Dave Tobe, but. Hardman and, and Byron Pringle has, has certainly has played. I've seen him out there with the ones and the, and the twos at time, um, at times. And um, uh, so it just seems like a position where there's um, where the Chiefs are pretty set. And 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 I don't think maybe this is a time we finally talk about Patrick Mahomes. We haven't done that in the last couple of podcasts. Really, he's looked really sharp. Mm-hmm. I mean, just different. Sharp. I mean, then, he threw his first interception of 11 on 11 today. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was a pick by – who had that? That was uh, – uh, was that DeMontre? Um, it was DeMontre Wade. It was DeMontre Wade. From your tweet. Yes. I saw that. And uh, so that was uh, Wade's second interception in, in two days. But Patrick Mahomes is – I saw him throw a side – one of those uh, sidearm passes to Tyreek Hill today that – uh, that, that when you saw it for the first time, it was like, oh my gosh, did he really do that? And now I see it and said, yeah, you know, it looked like he had to do that. The the defender was coming at him, you know, in, in a rush, and he just dropped down and threw it sidearm. It's a skill that nobody has ex- except for Patrick Mahomes. So he has played really well. It's um, you know, the, the, yes, Frank Clark said the defense won the day on the first day of pads. For but, sure, they for sure won. But I imagine Patrick Mahomes could look and feel pretty good about his his day here and his weekend. So, um, any other observations from the from the first couple of days that we we need to touch on? Blake Bell's looked better. Yes, the, uh, the tight, tight end. end spot, he'd, I, be, he'd be my tight end too right now if they had to list right, a depth if they, chart. If they had to pick it out of the group that they've got other, I still get the sense that they're going to be shopping around for some tight ends. But I don't think that they're going to make any major moves until after the second preseason game when some other teams have the opportunity to, to see how their rosters are developing, see what their injury situations are, and, and where they can afford to cut some fat. Um, but... Is there another yeah. position where the Chiefs might be interested in doing a little shopping? I think it's corner and tight end. I think those are the two spots that they're going to have the most interest uh, or have the most motivation to make some moves. Okay. Well, I wondered about running back two now. We haven't seen Damian Williams for a couple of days. Carlos Hyde has been the the, the starter. It's, it's hard to get a you know get get a gauge on. I mean, on he's him. a former starter, isn't he? he is. So. I think that it, it. I don't get the sense that Damian Williams' injury is serious enough to merit grabbing another running back. And if you go into the season with Carlos Hyde fully healthy and Damian Williams maybe almost healthy, and then you've also got Daryl Williams and, and Darwin, Darwin Thompson. Thompson, I think you've still got some depth there. You don't have the headliner like a Kareem Hunt, um, but I do think that they have bodies there that can that operate well within Andy Reid's system. Yeah, and Andy was actually asked about specifically about the running backs today and, and really didn't seem to have a have a concern about it. Uh, certainly keep an eye on Darwin Thompson, the rookie. He's he's undersized but but 
really fast and shifty. And if, if he can survive physically at this level, I, I think that he's a player that the Chiefs like and will give every opportunity su- to succeed. So, hey, training camp continues here uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. They take Thursday off. They're back Friday. And, uh, Vahe, you are headed to Canton, Ohio this weekend. I am. Actually, later this week, not this weekend, uh, for a pretty special day for the Chiefs. It, it, it will be a special day for the Chiefs, and it's kind of funny, right? They'll have two guys that played for them for 12 years going into the Hall of Fame, Johnny Robinson and Tony Gonzalez. And I can safely say the reception in the so-called Chiefs kingdom has been a little more um, unanimously appreciative of Johnny Robinson than Tony Gonzalez. There's a few reasons for that, and we can get into that more later in the week if you want to, Blair, or now. But um, I think the thing to focus on for Chiefs fans, or that's easiest focused on for Chiefs fans, is Johnny Robinson is is an original Chief. So original, he was with them when they were the Dallas Texans. Mm-hmm. And, and he was um, a key cog of that last Super Bowl team. So it's, it's, it's a pure sort of love they can have for him. And Tony Gonzalez played for the Falcons for five years, asked for a trade, was perceived to have, you know, gushed over Atlanta at the expense of Kansas City after after getting named to the Hall of Fame in Atlanta. Brooke was there that day and heard him say plenty of nice things mm-hmm. about Kansas City, but trouble is that genie got out of the bottle in, in the form of one tweet, and we see how those things sometimes go. And he's tried. Like you said, he's tried to um, um, assuage the, the Kansas City fans. He has. He's tried. And I went out and I spent about an hour with him uh, in Beverly Hills' home. And, and it, it mattered to him. It, he's also trying to make the point that, you know, everybody knows what I really meant. Um, <laughs> it's not really true that everybody knows what he really meant. But, right. but uh, and, and so then Johnny, of course, I went to see him again yeah, in you, Monroe. You, and You've been to and, both homes here in the yeah. last year and I could say Johnny's a little more modest home <laughs> that sort of that sort of fits with the, the theme here too a little bit yeah so uh, big night for the Chiefs we thought for a while that the Chiefs might be playing in that Hall of Fame game I think that the situation with the Bolins and the Broncos is what ultimately it's, pushed or gave the Broncos the edge over the Chiefs right. and that's just my opinion but that's kind of the sense makes that sense I get. yeah makes sense well, okay, guys. Uh, Bye. Look forward to your coverage from from Canton, Ohio, later this week, and Brooke, your continued coverage from uh, from Chiefs training camp. Uh, thanks, guys, for stopping by, and we'll do this again soon. Links to the stories we discussed can be found in the show notes on KansasCity.com, Kansas City Stars Print Edition, on Facebook.com/slash Red Zone Extra, and the Red Zone Extra app. Thanks to Kathy Lou and Leah Becerra for producing today's show. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Tuesday with another episode of Sports BKC, the Kansas City Stars sports podcast. one because that didn't happen just then. <laughs> you didn't even record that. That's right. So now we're recording. As usual, we just did a practice run first.